You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. This week on Yap, I'm chatting with Kara Golden, CEO and founder of Hint, a lifestyle company dedicated to making a healthy life easy. Their products turn things you ought to do into things you love to do, like drinking water, protecting your skin, and more. Hint is most known for their flagship product, Hint Water, the leading unsweetened flavored water. Kara is also the author of the best-selling book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, and hosts the podcast, The Kara Golden Show. She's been named one of InStyle's Badass 50, Fast Company's Most Creative People in Business, Fortune's Most Powerful Women Entrepreneurs, and Ernest & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year 2017. Tune in to learn about Kara's career beginnings at Time, how she was able to get over 90 plus job interviews right out of college, and how to stand out in your job when you're just starting out. We'll then dive deeper into why Kara decided to start Hint, her business philosophy of building the airplane as you fly it, and why you shouldn't put all your energy into worrying about outcomes. Hey, Kara, welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. So happy to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So you have such an impressive journey. You started off at Time Magazine, and then you worked in sales at CNN. You went on to be a VP at AOL, and you focused on e-commerce. Then you took some time to focus on your family, and you ended up launching Hint when you were pregnant with your fourth child. So you basically invented a new category within the beverage industry. You were the first beverage to come out with no sweeteners, and you know you were the one who made water more popular without having added sweetener. So that was a really big deal at the time. So Hint is now a household brand. You have a $150 million company, over 200 employees distributed over all 50 states. So that's amazing. Before we dive into the story of Hint and how that came about and your new book, Undaunted, I wanted to get an example of your confidence and your persistence. So um, this is something that I saw, like, as I was reading your book, I realized you are successful because you are extremely persistent. You are, you have extreme persistence, and that's what makes you you. So uh, let's talk about when you were a recent college graduate, you ended up getting 90 interviews all over the country, which is super impressive in a time where the, it was a bad job market and you know the rest of your friends were getting unpaid internships and getting whatever they could. And, and here you are, you landed 90 interviews all over the country. So tell us about that moment in your life. I have lots of young listeners, probably recent graduates themselves looking for a job. How did you do that? What scrappy things did you do? And tell us about how you landed your dream job at Fortune Magazine. 
Thank you. Well, first of all, I didn't actually land my job at Fortune. I wanted to be at Fortune, but I ended up getting a job at Time, which actually owned Fortune magazine. And I figured that I would take the job at Time because it was in the building and eventually I would get to Fortune, which I never did. But it ended up to actually, it's something that I talk about a lot that sometimes, you know, you you have to accept that that your path and and where you ultimately land are kind of meant to be and oftentimes you don't necessarily know uh what that is and why you're here but you have to take a deep breath and just you know keep moving forward and hopefully the dots will ultimately connect later but yeah so i i graduated from school and my last semester of school i was going to arizona state university and my last semester in school i was waitressing i'd been waitressing at this like 100 year old restaurant in phoenix which was you know kind of an institution it's like a they'd hate for me to say it but it's like a dumpy divey like great mexican food place and there was this guy that used to come in a lot and sometimes he be with friends. Other times he would he would just be by himself. And so one day I was waiting on him and I was like, hey, how's it going? And and he said, good. And he was like, so are you graduating? And I was like, oh, yeah, actually I'm graduating in a couple of months. And he's like, what are you going to do? And I said, it's like the question of the hour, right? When you're like graduating or you're just graduated, I was like, I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm probably not going to be waitressing, but you never know. Like I was like, whatever, just being really authentic and honest about it. And I just did what a decent communicator would do. I said, so what do you do? Like he had asked me what I did. And so I just said, so what do you do? And he said, oh, I do product placement. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And he said, I do product placement on movie sets for Anheuser-Busch. I was like, wait, I know what Anheuser-Busch is. So wait, you put beer on movie sets? And he said, yeah, we film lots of stuff in Scottsdale. And, and so that's what my job is. And I was like, somewhat serious, but somewhat joking. I was like, can you get me a job doing that? That'd be so fun. I'm a college student, right? That I'm like putting beer on sets. That'd be awesome, right? And so he said, if you're serious, I'm happy to see if I can get you an interview. And I said, sure. And he said, but the interview's in Los Angeles. And I lived in Phoenix. I'll go to for sure, to go and interview. And he said, okay, well, give me your email and I'll try and set you up. So when he set me up, then I thought, well, you know, if I'm going to be going over there, maybe there's some other opportunities that I should look for. And so I said to him, I was like, listen, I, I'm interviewing at your firm and so appreciative. But in addition, do you know any other people that might need like entry-level people because I'm going to LA anyway, and I might as well just try and interview for a few days. And he was like, yeah, actually I do know people. And and that was sort of like the first point where I realized that if you actually ask people for help, and especially people who are like already established, you've got kind of a competitive advantage, especially if you're young and you know, you're presentable, right? Like, and you're curious. And and like, he was like, I'm happy to reach out to them. And so he did. And there were a couple of other interviews. And then one of the people that he introduced me to said, you have to go to San Francisco to interview. And I was like, well, I'll go to San Francisco. Anyway, this continued on. And it was like, you'll have to go to Chicago. You'll have to... And then finally, I just said, you know, there's like one place where I really want to work and that's Fortune Magazine. And so it was based out of New York. And so finally, I just said, 
okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fig- I'm going to map this thing out and I'm going to go to a travel agency. This is back before Expedia and Travelocity and all the rest of them. And so I went to a travel agency and I said, I want to go from Phoenix to LA to San Francisco to Chicago, Boston, and New York over a 30-day period. And then I figured I'd just tell them I would be there in certain day in these cities in certain dates. And the travel agent called me back and she said, it'll be $472 for the airplane ticket. And I said, oh, I don't know if you heard me correctly. I wanted to go like it's single legs all the way around the country. And she said, no, that's right. And so I took out my visa card and, you know, thankfully it wasn't maxed out. And I gave it to her and I got the ticket because I kind of like was curious if there was like a mistake or something along the way you know, like a little nervous about it. But so she gave it to me. And what I realized is like, I think I took off to go to Los Angeles and I had probably half of the interviews are set up. But as I was like going on my way, I kept telling people my story. They're like, oh, what else are you doing this afternoon? And I was really honest about it. I was like, I'd you know, love to work for you, so don't take this the wrong way. But I said, I'm, I'm going and interviewing with a couple of other companies. And they're like, oh, like what kind of roles? And then, you know, and I would tell people, like I just figured I had nothing to lose. So I would just share with people. And they said, that's really great. Like, are you interested in other things? And I said, yeah, I'm going to Chicago. I've never been there. I'm really excited, you know, to go there because I had never been there. And they were like, that's amazing that you just like went and found all these interviews. And what I figured out about like that journey too was like there were so many roles that I didn't even know existed beyond the whole product placement. Like I didn't know what a consultant really was or, you know, nobody taught me that in school. And these were roles that I didn't know anybody who was doing it. And so it was just 30 days of, I mean, it was amazing. And I learned a lot about myself and I came home. And I was just like, wow, I was so happy. Like, I didn't know what I was going to learn out of it. Instead, I was like, it was, I, I feared it a little bit. I was a little nervous. I didn't get all 90 job offers, but I had a lot of job offers. And, you know, I tell this story to a lot of college campuses and also just kids that I know. I'm like, listen, I paid for myself to to actually go and and show up there. And it paid off. It was an investment in me, but it was also an investment in me trying to learn about all these roles. Because I don't know about you, but like, you know, you read stuff, but you just don't really, I don't know. It's different when somebody who's senior level like calls his friend and says, hey, do you need an administrative assistant? And they're like, oh my God, I don't. But my friend down the hall Mm -hmm. keeps like looking for somebody. So yeah, connect me. And then all of a sudden you're not going in when they have posted something and competing with all these people, you're coming in at a very different level. Yeah, totally. So so tell us about, I, I really want my listeners to hear, you know, how gritty you were and the fact that, you know, you got a letter from an executive at Fortune and it was basically some generic letter like saying like, yeah, sure, if you're in New York, let me know when you're when you're in town and stop by. And you actually stopped by. You, you, you went into the office, you had no appointment, you walked up to the HR department. So tell us that story and how you got your first job. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of my dream job because when I was in college, I mean, another thing, like little tidbit of advice that I give people is when I was at school, I I was a communications journalism major and I loved to write. And a few of my friends were in finance and I was, you know, kind of thinking that some of their classes 
were pretty interesting, but I also felt that they were a little scary because I, what I realized is that I actually didn't understand finance. Like they would talk to me about business plans and convertible debts and stuff like that. And I was like, what is that? And I was, and I was just really curious about it. And so one day it just fit into my schedule that I could go take a finance class. And I'm like, Oh, this is really hard, like, and really interesting. And then, and then one of my professors said, you know, you should pick up Fortune magazine because it will actually, if you just start reading it, you'll start to pick up on the stuff and they start to explain things in the context of an article. And so after a few issues, I was reading that and the Wall Street Journal. And after a few issues, I was just like, this light bulb went off in my head around finance. And I was like, wow, I'm not scared anymore. And I, you know, don't know if I actually want to, you know, major in finance or my, but I decided to minor in finance because I was just so intrigued by, you know, what I was learning. And so when I was sharing with a friend, I was kind of all over the map, like through this process of looking for a role because I didn't know what I really wanted to do. I said, I really want to write. And I said, you know, my dream job is like, you know, working at Fortune Magazine because it's just like, I think it'd be so great to work for this guy, Marshall Loeb. And then I just thought like, what do I have to lose? Like, what the heck? I Like the worst he could do, like, I wonder what the process is. Like, I wonder what I'll hear back from him. And I, I just didn't take it that seriously. And I think it's something, it's sort of the, the core of my life. Like sometimes I reach out and any friend of mine who's known me, you know, for years will say, you know, half the time, in life, I'll just come up with these ideas and then I'll just throw them out there and I'm okay if they don't work. Like, I just want to know what happens. And if nothing else, it'll be like a funny dinner conversation. Like, well, I tried that, but you know, it failed or, or that time it really worked. And in this case in particular, you know, Marshall, I thought wrote me a letter back to say that if you're in New York, so while I was going on this journey, I thought, well, I should include New York. And I had a few interviews, but I just marched into the HR department and just said like, hey, I've got this letter. And a lot of other interviews that I had been on, I showed that they said, just come to the HR department and we'll you know, walk you to your interview. So I was trying to reach out ahead of time, but he wasn't writing me back. And so then I just showed up and I said, hey, I'm here to see Marshall Loeb. Um, I have this letter from him. And I mean, this, the poor receptionist, I can still see her face. Like she had no idea what to do with me because people just didn't do that, right? And she called her manager and whatever. But it just so happened that there had been another conversation that went on, not to my knowledge, but basically this conversation was, let me just, or you've got to find me an executive assistant at time. And so I went and interviewed with this woman and it was in circulation. And I always tell people it was, you know, circulation is those horrible like blow in insert cards that fall out of the magazines all the time. And that's all I knew about it. Like I didn't really know anything else, but I knew it wasn't the mailroom. It was like maybe one step above the mailroom. And I thought, I don't know, it, it could be really f like fun to do it. And eventually I'll get, I'll show them what I can do in the writing side of things and get to Fortune magazine, which I never did. Um, get to fortune, but it it's funny. I actually just got a letter from Michael Loeb, Marshall Loeb's um, son, and he worked. He actually founded Entertainment Weekly, and which was also a Time title. And so I got to know him because he was very good friends with my boss. And anyway, he wrote me a note saying, I know how you wrote in the book and Fortune magazine had picked up an excerpt from the book a couple of weeks ago. And he said, I know you wrote that my father, you weren't sure 
that my father actually wrote that note back to you that it was like a, you know, a form letter. And he said, my dad definitely wrote that note back to you. He said, and his father passed away a few years ago. And uh, he said, he absolutely wrote that note back to you. And he said, thank you so much for writing that because it just shows the kind of person he was. It was really, really sweet. But anyway, the net of it is, is that, you know, when I went in there and I ultimately got the job, the thing that I also learned was it's not just about getting the job, but it's actually just doing a good job. And my boss, I mean, you read the book, you saw, you know, excerpts of this. I mean, my boss was going through a really challenging time that I didn't know that she was, her husband had just died and she was in her early 40s and really tragically. And, you know, she was going through a really tough time. And so she generally was like, living behind an office with the door shut. And I'm like 21 trying to figure out this whole thing. And and basically, I, I just was like trying to look busy. And so I said to a bunch of other executives who would stop by just to see how she was doing, I'm like, hey, listen, I don't have that much going on right now. If I can be helpful in any way, let me know. And just because I really, that's just who I am as a person. And I've always said to people like, you know, it wasn't, that I wanted to gain any brownie points from it, but it ends up like being helpful is actually something that not everybody does, right? They're, they're more concerned and figuring out like, that's not my job. Like I've got a job here and that's it. And so I was just, I was doing it just to stay busy. And, you know, I ended up meeting Michael Loeb and so many other people that were executives. And actually the funniest story from, from my time magazine episode was, you know, making $23,000 a year in New York City, which is not a lot of money um, to be living in New York with. And, and so every, right. And every week I'm, you know, try, I have enough for rent. I have enough to like go out one night. I'm really like trying to budget and do everything the right way. And so what I figured out was that in the like little kitchen, on our floor, there were always these sandwiches. And I was like, is anyone eating these sandwiches? And so I would pack up these sandwiches. They were from the executive lunches. And so after a while, like a couple of executives saw that I would take these sandwiches and they're like, what are you doing with the sandwiches? And I was like, I only make $23,000 a year. I've got to eat. Like I wasn't saying it for people to feel sorry for me, but I was just like, yeah, this is going to be Friday's dinner and this is Saturday's lunch. And I was like, and if you have any extras, my friend only makes $18,000 a year at an advertising firm and she likes turkey. And like I was I was like joking but somewhat serious and so I became this person who you know, in the executives' minds, they would order extra food for me because they were like, Kara needs some food. Like, we have to make sure that she has the right sandwiches. Go before you order, make sure that there's chicken salad on the menu and croissants or, you know, or whatever. And what was so funny is there were a lot of people who were my age who they said, aren't you embarrassed to like actually say that you only make $23,000 a year? And I remember saying, do you think that they think we make more money? everybody knows you're an entry level position. You're not making a lot of money. And like, that's a competitive advantage to just be like, right. I mean, you've probably been there to be straightforward with people. You don't like, I'm not making millions, right. When you're young, people want to be helpful. Right. And what was so funny years later, and this is like 25 years later, 
I get this phone call from Amazon and the buyer at Amazon is like, you don't remember me, but I worked at Time Magazine on the other side of the building from you. But I remember you used to come by and get the sandwiches for like the extra sandwiches. And I said, oh my God, I'm, I'm so embarrassed that you like remember this. And he said, no, you were so funny. He was like, we were all like laughing because every publisher from all the different publications were like, you know, she's so like honest about it. Like, and I remember when I was 21 and I didn't want to like, I hardly had money to eat. And Kara was just like, yeah, it'd be so great if you guys ordered ordered me extra stuff. If you have a cookie now and then, like just order that too. And so anyway, it was just so funny. And ultimately he was like, somebody told me that you had started this company Hint. And I was like, get out of here. Like she's now, she was an executive at AOL and then she decided to start Hint. And he's like, that is so funny because I totally remember you. So you, so something as simple as that, Again, I didn't intend on having him remember me or certainly didn't know that he was going to be at Amazon. But it's like, how do you ultimately stand out in some way, again, with kindness and be helpful? And he was like, I just remember you were so hardworking. And so that's a story that I even share internally to my team that it's like, you know, it's not just about making your boss happy and about doing a great job in your own, but your colleagues are ultimately going to be the ones that are going to help you later on. Like maybe they know about a job at a company. And, and so if you're like a person that's complaining or so concerned about putting rails on kind of what your job is, I mean, you've, I'm sure you've been there and watched this. It's like really short-sighted because you don't know who's watching. Instead, if you, you know, don't like your situation, then figure out how to change that situation, but also figure out around you, you know, how do you get noticed in a way where you can sort of don't not do your job. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that be helpful to people. Like if they're if they're buried, right? Say like, listen, can I can I stay extra and we can order pizza and let me help you like catch up on stuff. I don't mind doing that because you never know how that's going to pay off in the long term. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who wanna try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you wanna make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, 
go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. This episode of Yap is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is a podcast hosting platform with all the features you need to start a podcast, promote your podcast, and monetize your podcast. Podbean has been my podcast hosting provider since I started Young and Profiting Podcast. I actually got approached to switch my hosting provider and I even got offered money to do so, but I won't be switching because I truly enjoy their analytics features. I am a nerd and I also like the simplicity of their UI and the security and reliability of Podbean. I honestly wouldn't feel safe putting my podcast in anyone else's hands and it's been 2.5 years on Podbean without a hitch or a glitch and so it's no wonder that over 520,000 podcasters trust them as well. Podbean Podcast Hosting distributes your podcast to all major destinations. And like I mentioned, it's really their analytics features that are truly unmatched. I own a podcast marketing agency, and so I'm familiar with all the other big platforms. No other platform from what I've seen lets you drill down like Podbean does. I can compare episode performance. I can see the download source breakdown to understand where my audience is listening from. I can see what day and times they're listening. And I can even check out where they're listening from and not only by country, but also by the US state they're listening from as well. Podbean provides a full array of podcast monetization tools. You can monetize using Podbean's built-in dynamic advertising system or Patreon program. And you can also create a fully customizable website using their platform as well. And I'm pleasantly surprised to always hear listeners telling me that they found me from that website. I bet there's so many of you out there thinking about starting a podcast for the new year. You guys have a new year's resolution to start a podcast. If you're serious, why don't you make the commitment real and head over to podbean.com slash yap to give Podbean a shot and get one month of free hosting. It's just $9 a month for professional and secure hosting. And if you're a current podcaster who's outgrown your free and basic hosting provider, I suggest you upgrade and head over to podbean.com slash yap for one month of free hosting. I'll stick the link in my show notes. Happy podcasting. Yeah, I mean, 
thank you so much for going into so much detail with that story. I think you uncovered so many like good pieces of advice. And I totally agree that like having the best intentions, just working really hard, being nice to everyone, being open, authentic, all that stuff is so important, especially when you're just starting out and getting your foot in the door. And it's amazing how full circle your life has went. So you didn't get that, you know, reporter job at Fortune, but in 2011, you were named like top 10 female entrepreneur by Fortune magazine. So that's amazing. Congratulations. Cool. Well, let's jump into your journey with Founding Hints since you gave us so much great information about your career journey. So you were having some personal health struggles from what I recall after your third pregnancy, you had gained weight. You were like 50 pounds overweight. You were addicted to diet soda. You felt really tired. So tell us about that time in your life. How did you realize something was wrong? How did you uncover that diet soda might've been the root of all of these problems that you were having? And how did that lead you to thinking about starting Hint? Yeah. So, you know, it's an interesting thing when I wouldn't say that I was like totally aware that I had specific health issues, but I found like and I've talked to people about this since then, that I was carrying extra weight that I had never had an issue with in, in the past. And, you know, I was a competitive gymnast. I was just, I'm pretty small framed. I just never had a weight issue. And then when I started, you know, working and had three kids at that point, I just like continued to gain weight and I could never lose this weight. And so suddenly I'm like 55 pounds overweight. I developed terrible adult acne over the course of the past few years leading up to this. And then also my energy levels were just like really low. And at first I thought, oh, it's because I'm traveling so much and I'm living on the airplane and I'm on all these different time zones. And then, you know, after a year of living, I didn't have a job. And I was just like, you know, what's the excuse? I saw a bunch of dermatologists for my skin. They're like, we don't really know what's going on. And then I started looking at everything that I was eating because I started, you know, really thinking, okay, there has to be an issue and maybe I'm allergic to something. Maybe, you know, it's something there. And I went on a couple of different diets. Nothing was working. I was continuing to work out and work out a little bit more, but nothing crazy. I wasn't running like marathons or anything. And while I was reading labels through this whole process, I never was doing anything with my drinks. And because I just never really thought that there was an issue with it because it, my, my core drink was diet soda, diet Coke in particular. And so one day the diet cocaine was just like facing me and I happened to look at the ingredients. And I thought, gosh, there's a lot of ingredients in here. And I've sort of set up this rules for, you know, trying to eat as pure as possible in my food and really understand what I'm putting into my system. And there's a lot of stuff in in here. And I'm drinking like eight to 12 of these a day, you know, which by the way, like that sounds like a lot, but there's a lot of people who are diet Coke addicts like I was that that are doing that. And so I just thought, gosh, maybe I should just not put it in me anymore just for a couple of weeks. Like, let me, let me just stop drinking and see what happens. And after a couple of days, I realized like I wasn't drinking anything else when I was drinking Diet Coke besides Diet Coke. And I thought, okay, I'm going to start drinking water because I was thirsty. And so I start drinking water. And what I realized was it was so boring. Like I was just like, oh my God, water's just incredibly boring. And I would 
tell some of my friends and they're like, I know that's why I don't drink it. And then I tell other friends and they're like, oh, I drink water all the time. It's totally fine. I'm like, for me, like water is just super boring and that's why I'm not drinking it. So, you know, two and a half weeks later, I'm I'm like literally lining up glasses of water on the counter and not going to bed at night until I like drink my eight glasses. And that's when two and a half weeks later, I lost 24 pounds, my skin cleared up, my energy levels had totally changed. And friends, when you lose 24 pounds in two and a half weeks, people really notice. They're like, whoa, like what just happened? Are you okay? You know, are you sick? And I said, no, it was so crazy. And I would tell people the story about giving up my diet soda and they were just like, really? Like it's diet. And I said, I know, but I don't know, like somewhere along the way, it just messed up my lot and um, and I don't want to go back to it. And so I went, I started the remainder of that year. I ended up losing the rest of my weight and got all 55 pounds off and was feeling great. My skin issues again had totally cleared. And then I started slicing up fruit and throwing it in the water because I thought like that'll help me drink water. People ask like, oh, did you ever put a little bit of juice in the water? And I was like, yeah, but like it tasted like watered down juice to me versus actually if I put fresh fruit in there. But the big problem that I saw with fresh fruit was like I would put it into a pitcher and I'd put it in the refrigerator and it would only last for like a day. And so I just thought like it'd be so great if I could figure out how to put it into some sort of format and even like buy it ready-made in stores. So then I went searching in stores for this product and it wasn't there. And then I thought, well, maybe it's not in San Francisco where I live, but maybe it's on the East Coast. So I had a trip back to New York, went looking around there and it wasn't there too. And so I was looking for a job in tech. Like that's where my experience had been after working in media. And Silicon Valley is like the hotbed of this. So I was interviewing, but I wasn't sort of finding exactly the thing that I thought was like really going to be the thing that I wanted to jump into. And so every single day I found myself like really thinking about this concept, like how I had been tricked by the word diet and how some of my friends were drinking this drink called vitamin water and like were shocked when I told them that it had more calories than a can of Coke or that it's like the the food coloring is like cockroach wings, or at least that's what they were using 15 years ago to get to some of these different like very reddish colors. And so I, I just thought there's this hole in the market. I didn't even call it like a category opportunity. I wasn't even that educated about it, but I just thought, gosh, if I could actually get people to enjoy water, I could change health in the world. Mm -hmm. And I had never really been focused on a nonprofit either. Like I was kind of like, this is something that really gets me excited. And I thought if I could do something like this that ultimately makes money, that would be awesome. That's as far as I had gotten. And so one day I'm in Whole Foods chatting with the guy that is putting stuff on the shelf. And he's like, I said, I'm looking for a drink that just has fruit in it with water. And he said, you know, there's these drinks that are carbonated, but they have a lot of sodium in it. And I said, yeah, I don't really want to go switch from sweet to like sodium addiction. And so I just thought, how hard could it be to actually launch a product, right? And so I just thought, let me just do it. I didn't even think of it as a company. I really thought of it as, can I get a product on the shelf? And that was it. And little did I know that I had figured out that there was this new category. And why that's important 
is that when you launch a new category that consumers are not used to or buyers aren't used to sort of like wrapping their arms around, or in our case, like actually buying for the shelves of a store, it's a huge deal. Like it's like you can't, they won't move, right? Because they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. So if you're launching cricket chips, right? Like it's like might sound great to like some people, but you've got buyers and customers that just don't really understand it. And so there's a ton of education that goes on. So not only did I know that that existed, but also I had to figure out how do I ultimately get a shelf-stable product? I got it into Whole Foods. It ended up selling in Whole Foods. But then they were like, we can't have you just delivering in your Grand Cherokee to the stores. Otherwise, we would have thousands of yous like delivering. And so I got it. But at the end of the day, I didn't know how to get a distributor. The closest I had been to kind of figuring out how to distribute product was or really what a distributor was, was seeing Coke and Pepsi trucks drive down the street. I didn't have experience in this. But what I often think about now, and again, I think it's easier to like look back and, and hindsight 2020 is that I had risen you know, to pr- a very high level at AOL. I was a vice president, was the youngest vice president at AOL, one of the few females. And you know, I was in this management position where I really wasn't learning as much as I was teaching and approving. Mm. And so I always talk about today that I think half of the challenge with not only manager levels, but also C-suite executives is that you get bored, right? And you're just not learning anymore. And so I think that this concept of you know, what I was seeing, as crazy as it might sound in the beverage industry, I was intrigued. And frankly, like I tell people about this, in, about what I do every single day who are, you know, major executives in companies. And they're like, I think it's so cool, like what you're doing that you just like got to go back to figuring out exactly how this stuff works. And I said, yeah, it's like this, this concept of lifelong learning that I've thought a lot about that I think everybody needs. We're human and and we want to learn. And it doesn't mean yeah. going back to school. It means you just want to learn something new. I mean, like, look, you had never done podcasting before you started doing podcasting and then you started and I'm sure you continue to learn, right? About little yeah. concepts along the way and me too. And and that that's the thing that I really think is is really it's a story of tenacity and curiosity, but it's also a story of like, I loved what I was doing every day because I was learning something new. Yeah. And just so everybody understands, I think when you first thought of Hint and launched Hint, it was around 97 or 98 when you first realized that diet soda was an issue, right? So at that time, everybody thought diet soda was healthy. Like I remember my dad was addicted to diet soda. Everybody thought that it was good for you and there was no side effects. And so like you said, you had a lot up against you. It was really innovative to, you know, try to attack the beverage industry with a a, a drink that wasn't sweet and filled with sugar. And so I give major kudos for you for basically like changing the landscape essentially. And one of the titles in your book, one of the chapter titles is actually build the the airplane as you fly it, right? So can you tell us more about building the airplane as you fly it? Because I think this really relates to everything that you're saying right now. Yeah, I think so often people don't ultimately go out and do things like start a beverage company or change careers because they feel like 
They don't have experience. They have plenty of doubts. There's a million reasons. And, and you know, in my case, I had four kids under the age of six. Like, like, not only did I have my own doubts, but also I had all these doubters. So the title of my book is Undaunted Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. I mean, I've always said to people, like, there's never a good time. But that doesn't mean that you can't do something. And so I think that the concept of building the airplane while you're flying it, obviously you want it to be safe. In our case, you know, with our product, we're selling it to consumers and they're drinking it. We don't want anybody to get sick or die. I mean, we were always really careful about that. But I think that something I learned in the in the tech industry, which is still true today, which is very different than other industries, is that there's always going to be a better version, right? So often, you know, they they call it, you know, upgrading or 2.1 or whatever, you know, they call it. And so it like I learned in the tech industry to actually get something out the door because we want to not only get it out the door and try and get some revenue on it, but also go and learn from consumers. And so while an engineer is, you know, working on things that won't be ready for months because maybe the technology isn't quite figured out yet and it's going to take a certain amount of time, in addition, you might learn that people like the color red on a bottle versus blue or something and and how maybe the label is like the wrong feel or or something like that. What I didn't realize that I was bringing into this new industry was that because I was asking lots of questions and because I had grown up in a world that was always like, yeah, it's pretty good, but we could, you know, we can always do better. That's like a mindset, right? That's a mindset that you bring into an industry. When you look at banking or you even look at consumer products, I mean, look at, you know, Diet Coke or Coke overall, like you launch a product and or they launch a product and then it sits there because it's selling right and then they don't change it until sales go down and mm-hmm. when they do decide to reformulate it it's a really big deal it's like oh they're they're changing it because like you know it's about to die right like instead of actually mm-hmm. saying oh this is the new version i mean you look at apple apple's got i'm sure there's an iphone that's coming out in two years from now right that is just like sitting in a back room that some engineers know about right like it's just it's in the tech industry that's just how they think about things and that's just how ultimately products are are made and so i didn't realize that i was bringing that and asking lots of questions about the consumers and reading emails from consumers but you know just by asking questions and not having experience in this industry it just was super super helpful Young and profiters, I'm about to be jet-setting all over the world. I'm going to London, Cancun, New Orleans and New York to speak. I'm going to be up there with the bright lights and I want to be spiffy. I want to look fresh. And so I'm going on a big shopping spree. I got to get clothes. I got to get hair stuff, skincare stuff, makeup. But I'm not going to feel guilty about this shopping spree because Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Rakuten is the shopping platform for savvy savers. From May 6th to May 13th, they're having their biggest cashback event of the year. I'm talking about 15% cashback at hundreds of stores with additional cashback bonuses. And they've got so many stores participating in their big give week. So when it comes to clothes, I'm looking at Splendid and Good American. And when it comes to beauty, they've got so many good stores participating. They've got Ulta, Fenty, Bobbi Brown, Blue Mercury. 
and all the products that we love, now we can get cash back. It's like getting a discount on the stuff you're going to buy anyway. It's absolutely amazing. They even have travel brands. So that's going to be super convenient for me with all my upcoming trips. Expedia, Hotels.com. You can get deals on everything from electronics to home goods to travel and beauty. Young and profiters, you're going to want to grab this limited time deal with both hands. You get high cashback rates for only eight days. So hurry. Membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app at R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm going to like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, as you may know, I launched my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass a little bit over a year ago. It was my first course. And so far, I've generated well over $500,000. And the best part is, I didn't have to figure out how to set up my mastermind subscriptions, how to do abandoned cart targeting, and all of that tech geeky stuff. I just left that all to Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And if you're in that, I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify Magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell anything, anywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to the other options out there. 
It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., including huge global brands like Allbirds and Thrive Cosmetics. It took me a day to set up my Shopify store. I set up chat, took two minutes, and I was done. One month from thinking of the idea to implementation, a year later, I've made half a million dollars on the idea. That's what it takes in 2024, just a good idea. And then utilizing a platform like Shopify that can help you make it a reality. There is no excuse these days. If you've got a good business idea and you think you'll be a good entrepreneur, you don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to be super techie. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash profiting. Yeah. So uh, one of my favorite stories when I was reading your book is a story about how you first got into Whole Foods. And um, you actually talked to your husband and you gave him the news that you were pregnant with your fourth child and that you wanted to start a business called Hints at the same time. So I thought that it was really cool that first of all, you started this business with your husband. And I just wanted to get in your own words, what was it like when you when you told him that news that you wanted to start this business? Was he all ears? And then tell us about the story about the day of your scheduled C-section and uh, how you you got into Whole Foods and the good news you had there. Yeah. So he had seen that I had, you know, really gotten healthier by drinking this concoction that I had made in my kitchen, water with fruit. And I would always share with him like little things that I was thinking about, including the fact that there were all these like healthy perception products on the market. And, you know, it was kind of criminal that consumers actually wanted to get healthy and it was really hard. And they were willing to spend lots of money on diet plans and these healthier perception drinks, but they weren't actually doing the job. And, and so like, that's as far as like I, he thought I had gotten. And then when I dropped the bomb on him that I like wrote this business plan and I wanted to take $50,000 out of our bank account, I mean, I didn't want him to think that I was going on some boondoggle with my girlfriends to the Bahamas or something with the $50,000. I was like, by the way, just so you know, I took this money out because I want to buy like caps and bottles and fruit and I'm going to be, I've got this whole thing set up and he's like, wait, what? Like, what What are you doing? And I had three kids at the time under the age of four. And he said, wait, you're, you're actually like thinking about launching a product. And actually, but the name that I had come up with was Wawa. And uh, he was from the East Coast and he said please don't call it Wawa. And he's an attorney. He said, uh, he's an intellectual property attorney. And he said, uh, there's this, you know, major chain in Pennsylvania that's called Wawa and like, don't call it Wawa. And plus it's just not, I know you call, like you're trying to get the kids to drink water and you call it Wawa, but like you've been spending too much time with like the babies versus actually, you know, that's not, you shouldn't call it that. And so, while I was talking to him about the name, I just started saying like, you know, we're giving people hints about how to get healthier and it's just a hint of this. And then um, I said hint and he said, it's a four letter word and it, you're never going to get it trademarked. And I was like, I was like pissed at this point. And so I said, just you be the lawyer, just file to have like this trademark done and I'm the business person and that's that. And so he said, okay, fine, whatever. And I was like, while you're at it, 
put in drink water, not sugar as well. And he was like, huh, too descriptive. You'll never get the trademarks. And so anyway, the moral of the story on that one is like, don't always listen to your husband or your or your lawyer um, because we got the worldwide trademarks on on both. It was at that point, you know, he didn't think it was a great idea. He was like, look, you're in tech. You're very marketable. We live in Silicon Valley. Like you can go get a job tomorrow if you really want to do that. And I said, yeah, but I'm waking up every single day and I'm thinking about this. And I, I just, I love that it's that, you know, it's like a new category and it's really hard. And he was like, I, yeah, I just don't really think it's a great idea. And, you know, he wasn't arguing with me because I had made some money at AOL. He was like, you can do whatever you want. You know, he was being supportive, but I'm just sharing with you that I just don't think it's a great idea. And I was like, Okay, well, by the way, I wish you were a little more supportive because I am pregnant with my fourth child. And he was like, You mean our fourth child? And I was like, Of course, but you know, you're not being very supportive. And he's like, I cannot believe you're pregnant. And I said, Well, I just found out too, but I've just been trying to figure out a way to share this with you. And and he was like, So you think this is a good idea? Launch a company in a category, in an industry that you know nothing about, and you're having another child. And I said, yeah, well, I can get it on the shelf, I think, before he's born. It should be sometime in May. This is 2005. And he's like, oh my God, you're crazy. Like, you're seriously like nuts. And I said, yeah, maybe I might be, but I don't know. I just think it'd be really fun to go try. And so I said, by the way, I'm, I've got a babysitter and I'm leaving tomorrow to go to Chicago. I've got a I've got a bottling plant that I've been talking to. And he said, well, can I go with you? He was like, I kind of like to know what you're doing. And I think his intention was to sort of show me, uh, like, this is not a good idea. Like, you have no idea what you're doing. And I was like, yeah, it'd be really great, actually, if you came, because I'm getting super morning sick. And it'd be awesome if you actually were there just in case. He was like, oh, so you want me there just in case you get morning sick? And I was like, yeah, it'd be really weird, because I don't want to, like, tell them I'm, like, pregnant and I'm, you know, launching this company. And Anyway, so he came and it was at that moment when he really saw, he was like, this is really cool. Like he was like, he's a son of a doctor. And he said, this is crazy how you're thinking about this. And in terms of it helped you drink water and you could help a lot of other people drink water. And I agree with you that if you could get people to drink water, then I think you'd be you know, solving a lot of health issues in the world. But I just don't think people get that. And I said, yeah, so for less than two bucks a bottle, if we could convert people into drinking, and then maybe they'll actually figure out that it's achievable and they'll start to look at what they're putting into their body. And so that was the purpose. Like then it still is the purpose today. Like when people say to me, you know, I drink tap water, like, is there anything wrong? And I mean, if you've got clean tap water, that's a whole other topic. But I said, no, not at all. Like our purpose has really been going after this diet soda industry and also the healthy perception products that are out there that should not be on the market, especially when we've got so many issues, not only you know with different diseases, including type 2 diabetes, heart disease, all kinds of things, but also you know, the fact that we're even having a conversation around healthcare issues, like who pays, right? It's expensive. And something as simple as if we could actually dig into, are there things that are causing these problems that, and I believe diet soda and a lot of these sweeteners, it's not just sugar. It's also other stuff too, that 
is just not great for you. So that was really, you know, the premise. And I just thought if we can just keep going and stay focused. And so I talk a lot about this in my book. And certainly this book is great for people who want to launch like a food or a beverage company and kind of go up against big guys. But I think it's also just to set the record straight around being a startup and being an entrepreneur that most of these people that I've met over the course of my journey, they're no different than you and I. Like they're they're just trying to figure things out and they're, you know, staying focused and they maybe came from a different industry and they didn't know whether or not they were going to be successful and they had failures along the way. They were scared sometimes. They made decisions that were wrong, but they're able to look back on those things to learn and continue to move forward. And frankly... I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I'm also an accidental author. This was my journal for four years, like talking as I was out mm-hmm. speaking about building this company. I would bring this up on stage and I would hear from so many people, primarily through you know social media, like, gosh, I just heard you speak at this conference. And gosh, you just by saying what you said, you just set me straight and made me know that I'm not alone and that this is this isn't just happening to me. So I think it's it's definitely for people who are entrepreneurs now, would-be entrepreneurs, college students who need to hear like how do you go out and like just get started and so many lessons of lifelong learning along the way. And and it's shocking to me that more books like this aren't out there and also very few female existing CEOs are writing books like this too. Lots of guys, yeah. but there's just no women. Usually it's the it's like here's what happened and how I lost my company. Not like I'm still working it every single day and still, you know, growing it and it's going great and I'm still, you know, willing to learn, but I've figured out a lot of things. There's still stuff that I need to figure out. And I think that that's an important piece for people to hear. Yeah, I totally agree. And what I want people to understand is that when you first launched Tint, that was like 15 years ago, you had a $50,000 investment, but you know, millions later, years later, so much hard work later, now you guys are a household name. One of my favorite quotes from your book was, sometimes if you think about the end, you'll never get past the beginning. And to me, that was like the most thing that resonated to me. So I know we're up on time. So if you could close out just explaining to us, you know, how sometimes you need to just be in the moment, work as hard as you can, and then, you know, not worry so much about the outcome. Yeah, no, totally. And not worry so much about the outcome and know that just by trying, you're getting started. And that's the most important piece. And those little tries add up. And before you know it, you're actually making progress. Yeah. So the last question I ask all my guests is, what is your secret to profiting in life? Profiting in life, I would say being able to learn from your mistakes and same answer, continue trying along the way. Because I think that the more that you actually look at what you're doing and continue moving forward, then you'll ultimately profit from that. And where can our listeners go to learn more about you and everything that you do? Kara Golden with an I all over social media. And also... Yeah, I have a I have a podcast as well um, at the Kara Golden Show, and my book is Undaunted: Overcoming Doubts and Doubters on Audible as well as on Amazon. 
Awesome. Well, Kara, you are one of the most inspirational women I've had on the show. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Kara Golden. If you're a new listener, please take a few minutes to subscribe to Yap and drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts are my favorite type of reviews, and that's because they act as social proof for new listeners, and they largely impact our podcast rankings. When we're ranked on our podcast in the education category or the how-to category, that's how new listeners find us. So from here on out, I'm going to be shouting out everyone who takes the time to leave us an Apple Podcast review at the end of each episode. And so if you're an avid listener on CastBox, Podcast Republic, Podbean, wherever you listen, please do me a favor and just hop on to Apple Podcasts by using your iPhone or a family member's iPhone and support us by leaving a five-star Apple Podcast review. This week, I'm going to share two reviews. The first one is from Digital Comms. It goes like this. Amazing discussions and insights. I have been such a huge fan of this podcast for the past year because of the incredible, insightful discussions Hala has with her guests. I've gotten so much value listening to the show over the past year. This is one of my top 10 favorite podcasts I listen to, and that's because of the incredible quality and the care Hala puts into each episode. Very grateful for her putting this show together and for providing so much value to us young professionals with the steps we can take to all thrive. Thank you so much, Digital Comms. And unfortunately, I don't have your real name. So for those of you who are still going to leave us an Apple Podcast review, please remember to leave your name and your location so that I can properly shout you out on the podcast. I'm sure it's so fun to hear your name shouted out in front of thousands of people at the end of my episodes. The next one is from Matthew from the CEO Hub. It goes like this. Insights meet the practical in this value-added podcast. I would highly and unequivocally recommend this platform in order to be able to acquire interesting and adept conversations, but also information that can cut through your daily life and business life. This benefit is underpinned by a very impressive and pertinent base of high-end guests and packaged together in accordance with the skill and optimism of the excellent host, Hala Taha. If one is looking for an incentive to boost for increased and profound success in 2021, then this is definitely the place to be. Please do keep up the great work hereafter and into the future at the Yap Show. This is much appreciated. Wow, thank you so much for your very thoughtful and intelligent review. I couldn't even pronounce some of those words on the spot. So thank you so much, Matthew from the CEO Hub for shouting us out. And if you're out there listening and you found value in today's show, please take a couple minutes to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's a free and effective way to support the show. There's other podcasts out there asking you to sign up to Patreon or do other things to monetize their show. We provide a free show to our listeners. We get our money through sponsorships. And the best way for us to secure sponsorships is by showing them all the amazing five-star reviews that we have on Apple. So do me a favor and take the time. If you love listening to our show, please take the time to write us a review. And I also love seeing our posts on social media. I've been seeing a lot more posts on Instagram, which is really fun. I just really started getting active on there. And so when you're listening to your podcast, whatever app that you're in, just take a screenshot, upload it to your stories, tag me at Yap with Hala, and I'll always repost and support those who support us. 
And of course, share your support on LinkedIn. If you have a big takeaway or if you want to provide a podcast recommendation, put up a post on LinkedIn and tag me at Hala Taha and I'll definitely comment and boost your post with my large following. So you can find me on Instagram at Yap with Hala or LinkedIn. Just search for my name. It's Hala Taha. A huge shout out to the Yap team. You guys are amazing. This is Hala signing off.